Should we improv a jingle? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Especially because we don't even know what this would be called, even if it was, even if it was anything. Yeah, that would make improv in a jingle pretty difficult. This is true. Have you got your notes up? Well, like I said, I didn't make any notes. Oh, uh, I did. I guess you're going to be leading this a little bit more than me then. But we've never, like, the reason we're doing this podcast is because whenever we get together and we talk about games, we talk about games for about an hour, and then we say, I wish we'd recorded that. So this is just us having a conversation about games that we have actually recorded. Yeah. All right, so one of the first things I always got confused by, whether it's Disco Elysium or Elysium Disco. What, the game's name? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great start. Every time I was referring to it to someone else, I'd always be like, Disco Elysium or Elysium Disco, I can't remember which mm-hmm. one it was. And whenever I Googled for advice, which we'll get to, because I did occasionally have to do that, um, mm-hmm. like, it was the same deal. Like, I always Googled it the wrong way around. Mm. Uh, so let's clarify. We are talking about Disco Elysium. <laughs> yeah. All right, good. I didn't think about the title that often, especially the Elysium part. But um, Elysium or Elysium is, ooh, I'm going to say Roman heaven, but it could be Greek. Some sort of heaven, isn't it? Because in Gladiator, isn't he like, meet you in Elysium or whatever? That's the level of fact-checking during this. It's like, well, in a movie about <laughs> the Romans. Stay with me! You find yourself alone, riding in green fields with the sun on your face. Do not be troubled, for you are in Elysium, and you're already dead! Yeah, it's paradise slash heaven of some description, isn't it? Paradise, it is paradise. And then disco heaven, obviously, you've got a bit of um, contrasting concepts there, which is like part of the whole deal with the game, right? Yeah, and I feel like this is one of the core things behind it, which I didn't fully grasp, to be honest is how they're using the word disco. When I read disco, I immediately just thought of, like, dance, basically. Mm. That kind of sort of 70s uh, upbeat vibe. But there's nothing really about the game that kind of fits with that at all. (laughs) No. So, and and also a lot (laughs) of the dialogue options during the chat give you the option to say something like, you know, I wouldn't do that because that wouldn't be disco. And then I was like, well, that sounds funny, but I don't, I'm not really sure what it means. Yeah. Well, my first thought always, as usual, went to The Simpsons and Disco Stew <laughs> and everything he represented. Disco Stew got hooked on the white stuff back in the 70s. <sighs> but then secondly, it probably went to like Saturday night. Fever with John Travolta. All of the, the vibe of that film. So like, while a disco is going to a disco, I think it's also all of like the paraphernalia and dress up and stuff, which goes along with it. Yeah. Maybe it was just a suburb for like cool 
all things cool were also disco. Yeah, I think maybe it does. It certainly leans towards that direction. Like, obviously, when it kicks off, you've got the vibe that he's just been doing karaoke and all that sort of thing. Well, actually, do you want to just give, like, a summary of what you would say the plot is? Well, it's a murder mystery role-playing game, which is heavily text-based, like, based on branching dialogue trees. And the, the real hook of the game is that not only are your dialogue choices defined by the attributes that you have, which we'll get to later, which is one of the most interesting things about the game, but also those attributes give you advice on what conversation options to take. So it's not just like, you are more persuasive, so you can now say this more persuasive thing, which you would obviously say. It's like, your logic is suggesting that you take this answer, but you could still choose a different answer. And also your logic might be wrong. They kind of interact with each other as well, right? Like there are times when your mm. logic will say, oh, you should definitely do this one. And then like some other yeah. I can't, that I can't think of will, will counter and be like, totally, you shouldn't pick that one. That's a really bad chat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they are characters within your head. So you 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 have you essentially have control or are playing 24 different characters yeah i mean they don't they don't all all get to take actions all at the same time but it definitely feels like that sometimes yeah well let's run through what some of those characters (laughs) are because they are kind of unique yeah in a lot of ways so some of the more interesting ones or some of the ones that aren't obvious what they are i would say not hardly any of them are obvious though like even when they say stuff like encyclopedia if you just think of a general role-playing game Mm -hmm. encyclopedia is something that doesn't really come up i mean it it might in terms of like law and stuff like that like you could imagine like a wizarding class with more with higher intellect might naturally know more like Mm. if you find a mystery sword maybe your intellect and your encyclopedic knowledge can help you with the background Mm. but in general it wouldn't affect the gameplay in a way that that it does in this kind of thing and there are some that's encyclopedia which as you say is it's to a degree obvious like logic but then there are some like esprit de corps corps. i'm not even sure i I assume it's esprit de corps yeah well it's definitely meant to be french but i don't have any french an inland empire um well savoir faire yeah i still don't know what that is yeah and shivers yeah shivers I can't wait to go back through. This is, yeah, too soon to present this, but I can't wait to go back through and play the game with different stats. Um, but yeah, like a spirit, the corp. Is that how we're saying it? It's basically your um, your police stats. How much of a of a cop are you? Like how much you, do you identify as being a cop and therefore know the kinds of things which cops know? But it's more abstract than that in the game because half of the thing it gives you access to is just sort of like, a vague sense of what's going on back at the station, um, which you never actually get to visit. You never see that as the player, other than your sort of like cop sense, thinking through this story, which is presumably true, but maybe it's not, who knows. So essentially all, all that stat really does, or half of what it does, is just give you another little story in your brain. Does that make sense? Yeah. And the reason, which I'm not sure we necessarily mentioned that that works, is because even though you're a cop in for the purposes of, the, the game you're a detective you actually wake up with with zero memory whatsoever and so like a massive predominant part of the game as much if not more than solving the murder mm-hmm. is like who are you how did you get there mm-hmm. so as a result when you're when you're looking back on being a cop you can't really remember any of it whereas i assume i didn't actually play with high that's pretty cool i assume if you do that you, 
that you have much more knowledge about that. And like there are moments when you meet characters from your police station that when I was playing, it was really unclear who they were. Yeah. Like, I mean, I could piece, I could sort of guess as the player that I was speaking to colleagues from my station, mm. um, but I didn't have anything to go with on it. Whereas, did you play with highest breed of core then? It was pretty high in the end. I didn't, I didn't intend for it to be, but because I put my psyche on six, it was high initially anyway. And then there was a couple of other things which made it higher, like my clothes or whatever. Yeah. So you mentioned psyche there, which, which, so, so within the 20, is it 24? Hmm. So there's four categories and then six subcategories in each. Yeah. So you have intellect, psyche, physique, and motor motorics which again is already a weird word um and within intellect you have logic encyclopedia rhetoric drama conceptualization and visual calculus it within psyche you have volition inland empire empathy authority a spirit decor and suggestion within physique you have endurance pain threshold physical instrument electrochemistry shivers and half light and within motorics you have hand-eye coordination, perception, reaction speed, Savoy Fair, interfacing, and composure. As soon as I started reading that out, I regretted it. <laughs> <laughs> I did think as well, as soon as you started, I was like, okay, this is going to be a temporary little dry reprieve. <laughs> We're just reading a list. Uh, but I think it makes sense. So when, when I first saw those, the way I kind of thought about it, which I'm not sure is fair, but it's, what, but it's something that the game was always going to have to contend with. Is I kind of saw it as like, okay, motorics, kind of like your roguelike class. Mm-hmm. You've got hand and eye, perception, reaction speed, interfacing, which is basically just lock picking in another name, um, all that kind of stuff. Composure, yeah. I kind of thought of as like bluffing or something like that. And then physique, I saw as almost like your warrior class. You've got your endurance, pain threshold, physical instrument, etc. And then mm-hmm. uh, intellect was the other really clear one, where you've got logic encyclopedia. And I assumed that that would just that would be kind of like your intellectual, like I said before, like wizard or priest or whatever. But psyche, mm. I had no idea where to start with that. It just didn't yeah. fit any of my stereotypes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there are innovative parts of even the the three sort of more familiar ones but yeah psyche is one where it's like no game has that (laughs) that i know of anyway no game has a stat which is your empathy stat so it's it's already trying to do something which other role-playing games haven't yeah i mean it does a lot of things which (laughs) other role-playing games haven't tried before i think anyway although although to be fair like i haven't even played um the game it's been compared to a lot is planescape torment because it's like really text heavy and you wake up with amnesia but I, I haven't even played that but that's the that's like the touchstone yeah i think I haven't, I haven't played that either on a basic level the isometric view and the kind of art and all that side of stuff it can be compared to other games mm. i actually think the art's really distinctive i haven't really seen much like it before at all yeah yeah for sure each scene is kind of like a painting that you move within right mm-hmm. so like even though there are comparisons to other games in in the style and the text and the, you know yeah. how like as you said at the beginning it's very text-based and so the options are all numbered and all that kind of stuff mm. that's kind of where the similarities end mm. i would say yeah yeah for me anyway i found it like problematic almost how mm. text-based it was Go on. because on the one hand i absolutely loved it it's like i'm reading a novel and i'm totally steeped in the characters and i'm mm-hmm. constantly wanting to know what's happening next and so on the one hand it was like you were in the middle of this incredible lore and there was so much going on and so many characters and each character had their own backstory which also was really deep but every time you met a, 
a character and had even what you were expecting to be a short piece of dialogue, often that could evolve into you were chatting with them for some, sort of like half an hour or something. Yeah, and you could literally have a half hour long conversation with a non-player control character. Yeah, in the game. and you were reading it so much, like because it was so much text, you were basically just reading, 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 then choosing an option, then reading, 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 then choosing an option, which obviously is how it works. But given that they made such incredible effort with the visuals, I realised I basically wasn't looking at the visuals most of the time. And it took me ages to realise that some options, when you chose them, your character actually did something like the visual change i wasn't even noticing that to begin with give an example of one of those there's a body hanging in a tree mm. and you have to decide how you're going to get the body down yeah and through the various choices that you make one option is you try shooting the string or the rope yeah. that's holding you up which is obviously a really bad idea because the whole premise of the game is you wake up extremely hungover with basically zero skills at all. It's a bad idea, but it's an amazing choice. <laughs> yeah, when I first started playing, the first option I chose, literally in the first piece of dialogue that you get to make any decisions whatsoever, um, I think I chose to turn on the ceiling fan and I died. Like, that's how weak yeah. your character was. And I thought, when I first started yeah. the game and that happened, I was like, okay, right, this is a different game. I need to rethink. <laughs> I feel like that ceiling, uh, ceiling fan choice really sets the attitude that you have towards the game from that point. Yeah. It basically shows you that your decisions within the dialogue trees in the text adventure matter for, for the game itself. Like, they're not something to be taken lightly. Like, it's the first role-playing game I've played pretty much where I've been given a list of dialogue options and I haven't just like methodically gone through every single option because I w was generally like worried about the consequences yeah at the very least I would um ch like be quite careful as to as to the order that I said things in just to make sure that I kept my options open which usually I don't have to think too deeply about those things unless you're like really role-playing on yourself there are some quite good meta jokes within the game about that aren't there like some of the times you'll you'll be in a conversation with a character and the character will say something like oh what kind of person are you you know are you like exciting adventurous or whatever or do you just always choose option four <laughs> which is like yeah. basically that never mind i'm not interested it's like you're the boring one yeah um, and i quite i quite like that that sort of self-awareness mm. that the game shows at times and similarly with the attributes that we talked about earlier, when they chime in and give you advice about which option to take, sometimes they make it really clear. So your rhetoric will be like, you should definitely choose the first option. And it's like, uh-huh, that's not, that's not the way a brain would think, but okay. And then other times they'll say, oh, we need to, um, need to play it cool here because if you show your hand too quickly, then they might not do it. And then it's like, well, what does that mean? Like, that doesn't help me choose my option. I've still <laughs> got to, like, figure out which of these options relates to that advice. But that was really fun. Yeah, like, composure might say, like, hold your nerve, be clear about what you want. And then something else will be like, let them feel like they got the upper hand. Mm. And then, like, maybe a third characteristic yeah. will step in and be like, put your foot down, show them what you mean. And you're like, right, you're all giving me conflicting ideas here. Mm. And whenever I was presented with that kind of confusion, I basically went with the one that I knew I'd skilled up the most. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm not sure if is a good approach or not. Yeah, but... yeah, same. So I was playing with a character with high um, psyche stats. So I did have high empathy and high suggestion. Um, I did generally play quite an empathic 
cop just because I thought, well, that's what I started with. Yeah. So that's what I'll carry on with. The other thing is, though, did you feel like you always wanted to hear all the options? Yeah. When I was presented with a list of options, uh, partly I was always choosing something where I knew that, that it would keep going, like the conversation would keep going and that, like, I would have, I would still be able to choose other options. Like, if there was ever an option in the dialogue that I thought might shut down the conversation, it would always be, like, the last one I was going to choose. Usually, for sure, um, which is quite... I think I feel like that's quite a gamey attitude to have and I almost I almost stopped doing that about halfway through the game partly because I was like this game is r- really long I want to enjoy it but I also want to get to the end of it we should talk about that actually Go on. we should talk about that because as soon as I started I realized I hadn't really left one room and I'd been there for about 45 minutes to an hour and I thought okay, this is actually quite an ambitious project. I've been like half an hour in just one piece of dialogue and I was thinking this is going to be a massive time investment and it really was. Mm. And I'm sure there are ways that you can kind of cut to the end by ignoring some of the side quests and stuff. Mm. But like the game almost just compels you in such a persuasive manner not to do that because you, you, you really are intrigued about all and how the side quests play into the main quest and what your background is. And all those factors seem as almost equally important mm. to your main quest. Mm. And so it's kind of like, when you sign up to play the game, you are going to be there for a seriously long time. Like, oh, I don't know, how long did it take you to play? It definitely was 30 hours plus for me. Yeah, just under, I think, 29 hours. It's about, it's, I mean, it's what you'd expect for an RPG, but it's also it's also a very long time considering something like Pillars of Eternity, you might spend 50 hours on it. But if you think of the, the number of locations in that game, so many locations. Whereas this is basically like one and then all the buildings, or maybe two if you count like each side of the river as being a different yeah. one. Yeah, it is a very small map. Actually. Really small map. And this testament to the quality of the writing that it's able to maintain our, like, our interest for that long with just a really small location. The way the plot unfolds and the story unfolds, it does feel like a film or a movie like when things are are happening you're like oh this is a new scene and it's like a scene which you're taking part in for half an hour 45 minutes yeah definitely well also when you consider that um whereas other games like you said pillars of eternity combat is a big element yeah half of it is you're equipping your character often debating am i gonna have this sword or that staff or whatever takes you (laughs) ages you're like comparing stats and so when you get to the end of the game that's a factor like that you have to weigh in. Okay, I played the game for 40, 50 hours, but like how much of that was me just comparing stats of weapons? How much mm. was I like in a really difficult battle and then having to reload? Mm. All those things come into it. Whereas this game basically runs as a text adventure without any kind of combat whatsoever. Yeah, but what I would say is the combat that there is, I absolutely loved it. It's all done through text adventure. That's not a spoiler. All dialogue trees. But at certain points when you're in, involved in combat, even through that system, it felt so significant in a way which combat in a normal RPG just doesn't have that weight to it at all. Yeah, and that's true, actually. Sometimes it felt too significant, I would even say. Yeah. Because all right. you're not necessarily expecting it. And suddenly you find yourself in a scene where there's going to be some sort of fallout. Yeah. And you're like, oh man, I was not expecting this yeah. at all. I wasn't prepped. I and like, it's an outcome that you're not happy with. Mm. Suddenly you're in that zone of being like, should I hit the quick load button and quickly prepare my characters a bit better? So that was going to be my next question is like, did you save Scum at all? So much. Yeah. 
When I first started... So much. Yeah, when I first started, I really tried not to. Because I feel like, you know, it's a story and you've just got to go with it. But then there were times when I really felt like I got shafted. And also, like, I figured that if you could reload basically any time you chose a dialogue option that killed you. So as an example, I had really low volition. When I first made my character, I just basically didn't put any points in volition. Mm. And volition in the game, because you're already in a state, you it's quite clear that you've experienced some sort of bad trauma that has left you in this state of taking loads of drink and drugs. Yeah. And consequently, you've got a hangover. And so like you're already in this very fragile, vulnerable state. Mm. And volition is basically like, have you got the willpower to keep going? It's literally your mental health. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. <laughs> For instance, I think one of the first times I died, it was because, not the first time, but one of the first times I died was because I was embarrassed by something. Like I asked a question and they answered and I was like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. And then the screen starts going dark and I was like, what, I haven't even got any other options. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. You died from it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, oh, you're not technically it. dying, but it's like he resigns from the police force or something like that. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it's end game. Yeah, state. exactly. Um, that is that's and so really then funny obviously though. you have to reload and if you didn't if you did if you weren't quick saving regularly that could be ages ago and as we already discussed extensively yeah. like, the dialogue trees are really long so you don't want to have to sit through them repeatedly especially if you're just basically going to choose mm. the same dialogue that you already did so like i did make it a habit to sort of spam save once i realized that i, I was at risk permanently <laughs> um and then, mm. yeah, i got to say, there were times when, especially another factor why I did, what did you call it? Scum saving? Save scum. You've never heard that term before. Yeah, I have, but I can never remember it. I think it's a mean, I think it's a mean term. Like, it's just a way to play games. It's like, I shouldn't have that negative I agree, yeah. It's a bit like, I'm an elite gamer, you're not. Yeah, yeah. The other reason that I did it was because a, a lot of the game, which we haven't mentioned, mm. is that once you put your stats into wherever you put them logic encyclopedia etc mm -hmm. what it does is you get white checks and you get red checks and these are essentially like dice rolls within the game so you'll have an option like try forcing open the door and it will say physical instrument because obviously you have to be strong for that yeah and then it will give you like how whether it's challenging whether it's impossible or whatever and it will give you a percentage mm -hmm. and if you if you have a really high physical instrument then obviously that percentage is going to be much higher and you're more likely to succeed in that task now, I don't know if I'm just an unlucky person, but the number of times that I had a percentage that was, I'm going to say 70% plus, like some of the roles were literally in the 90% probability in my favour. I had that as well. And you do it and it would fail. And you're thinking, I've already put so many points into this attribute. And the only way you can unlock, and you can't always do this, if it's a red check, you can't retry it. But if it's a white check, you can kind of get the opportunity to do it again mm. by sort of leveling Pump up. Pump another yeah, point Yeah, exactly. In. Pumping another point in. When you've got a logic of 10 or something, it's kind of annoying if you fail a roll. <laughs> that frustrated me quite a lot. So I did find myself save scumming or whatever it's called to... Right. Uh, I mean, I'll get I'll get to my experience of the saving in Zach. But um, I, thought, I thought that exact same thing. Like... I, this should be high enough now so that I don't have to put any more points in it so I can concentrate on putting my points in something else and get my other thing there. But then when you fail a check, which you feel like you should have succeeded at, you do just end up putting another point in it because like, well, I want to redry that check. <laughs> so I am. So in quite a human way, it kind of replicates you just getting better at the things you're already better at so that you make sure you succeed at those things. Mm. Whether that system was intentional or not, I'm not sure. But I thought it was quite a 
an amu amusing design on like a meta level because you end up getting these like really highly skilled characters in like really specific things which is it's it's a thing I take the point, but I just think when you've got a game which is giving you finite experience, which is usually through a successful accomplishment of a task yeah. or from closing a storyline. Just talking to people sometimes. Yeah, just through ha having a conversation. Yeah, doing your ridiculous list of tasks. And there are like secret storylines. So like, yeah. like I found a photo at one point and then later I asked a guy about the photo and it turned out it was his daughter or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it yeah, was, yeah. but that was like a secret task that I didn't even know about. <laughs> And then you get sort of 30 experience or something. I never got to show him that photo because I was so short on cash that I had to pawn the photo <laughs> to, pay for, to pay for my hotel room. And the task just sat there. It was really Looking sad. At you. <laughs> and I could never get it back from the pawn shop. Well, that, that introduces so many other areas. But that, just, just quickly finishing on the experience thing. It's quite slow, I would say, to, to get experience. Initially, weirdly, it's one of those games where it actually gets easier because... By the end of the game, mm. I found myself with two thoughts in my thought cabinet, which we haven't mentioned at all, by the way, and we definitely need to. What? The thought cabinet. Two? No, no, no. I mean, like, I had I had a full thought cabinet. Don't worry. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I had two that gave me, um, that gave me, on successful checks of either logic or encyclopedia, I think they were, mm. I would get plus 10 experience and two gold. Nice. If I'd have found those earlier in the game, then I obviously could have introduced them earlier in the game and, and leveled up a bit faster. That's good. My equivalent one, which I did actually get very early on, as you might expect, was um, experience points for choosing left-wing dialogue. <laughs> yeah, I got that as well. Wasn't it like plus four XP every time you chose a Marxist option? Yeah. But I think it actually added up to quite a lot throughout the game. And I was like, bargain. Those are the choices I'm choosing anyway. Yeah, classic. Well, let's, let's mention the politics of the game. <laughs> All right. Because there's this whole backstory that I actually think... They're asking a little bit much of you when you first start playing, I think. Like the volume of information they give you, they, they kind of give you a really extensive history of, of rich characters and kind of conflicts that had happened and revolutions, how that had changed the city, mm -hmm. museums and famous artists. And there's this kind of whole parallel culture yeah. and history that they kind of dump on yeah. you. And you're, you've sort of just got to navigate your way through. I actually slightly disagree with that. Like, I definitely didn't feel dumped on. Like, I felt like I was learning about the world through what people said. But I didn't feel like I had to spend any extra effort. Like, sometimes things were said and I didn't understand what they were. And I just thought, well, okay, fine. That's something I don't understand in this world. But most of the, like, a lot of the stuff I picked up as we go along. Or just it was left as a sort of side note. I feel like I knew the the history quite quite well, um, just just through snippets, like the fact that you're in a failed communist state that there was a revolution in, and then the capitalist powers that be were came in and made took it over again because they were like Cuba style, but you know successful coup. Mm. I guess I could relate it to like Cuba, like familiar real world things, which maybe helps. I don't know. I wouldn't claim to have completely cottoned on to the, the entire history of this world at all, but I didn't feel like I needed to. Mm. It created a, a vibe of a place, which I thought worked really well. And I didn't mind about not knowing every, every little detail. And the game didn't mind about me not knowing every little detail either, which was cool. I mean, some role-playing games do it more successfully than others, but at least I didn't feel like I was reading like loads of text where... Every third word was like a word I didn't know. And so I didn't understand what had been said. Generally, the things which people said, 
I understood what was going on. And then maybe occasionally there'd be dropping in something which didn't make sense, but that that was kind of fine because the rest of it was plain English. Yeah. <laughs> or just well well written speech. Yeah, no, you're definitely right about that. It was more just like it was a huge volume of text, a huge volume of names and dates and kind of very specific details. And I wasn't totally sure whether that was necessary <laughs> entirely. Although I take yeah. the point that it kind of sketched a parallel universe that you were a part of and it kind of helped you fill that in and give you a sense of place and that kind of stuff. I think that's true. Then in terms of choosing left-wing dialogue options and that kind of thing, mm. because part of the game is this storyline where you're kind of choosing whether you help out a union who are like on strike and are trying to get more money for the workers and all this kind of stuff, or whether you help out the strike breakers, right? Yeah. But I felt like the game not forces you, but really encourages you to be this quite hard left character so maybe not hard left specifically but um ex let's say extreme so like either you're hard left or you're a fascist there wasn't that much space for a middle ground i wouldn't say and i would say the fascist options never seem to give you that much of a reward so basically what you're saying is that the left-wing options were written sympathetically and the other options were written as if they were bad yeah sort of and also, they were just always at polar extremes. There wasn't really a kind of like, oh, but, I understand a little bit of both. Uh, the game even incentivized it with experience, right? Well, kind of. Oh, well, with that one thought cabinet. But I assumed there would be similar ones for the other p politics. And I think I saw hints that there were. But obviously, it might not be like experience. But wait, so there was moralist. There was ultra-liberal. There was fascist. Uh, there was communist. And there was something else. So I think there are at least like five quite well fleshed out ideologies contained within the political dialogue options, which I actually thought was really impressive. But I agree with you that um, I, I personally felt the left wing ones were more sympathetic. But I thought that was just because... Um, <laughs> You're left wing. Because they were the ones which I agreed with in reality. Yeah, basically. But I did often find myself being sympathetic with the moralist position but that is because i am a little bit of a moral relativist like i don't think that's a good thing but like whether i like it or not i do sympathize with that position mm. so whenever i saw the moralist argument come up i thought oh little part of me wants to click that like well i guess it's the same for everyone or like yeah <laughs> who am i to judge that sort of attitude <laughs> do you usually play games through then as like oh i'm gonna play them kind of as an extension of my actual character no i usually do the complete opposite i well uh, this is, hasn't been always the case, but I'd say for the last five or six years, every time I played a role-playing game, I've tried to be really horrible, evil, basically. Yeah. I play as chaotic evil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I role-play as, just because I think it's like an interesting experiment <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to see where the game well, goes. Well, so I sort of did that in this game. Like, the way it was written to me, maybe you're right, maybe it's just because those are our sensibilities, but the, the way I felt it was written encouraged me to pick left-wing options most of the time, to a point that there was a certain phase where I was like, I'm actually going to make the conscious decision to be a fascist now. <laughs> and so I started just being really racist and, and to all my characters, <laughs> agreeing with a lot of the fascist ideologies. Wow. And it does give you a few thought cabinet, um, like thoughts, a few ideas that you can work with, but they never felt as strong, I didn't think. Like, I actually think I, I got them and then forgot them again um, because... They weren't that great, I don't think. And also they were kind of cliches. Like it was like, oh, you're a fascist, so we'll put you we'll give you plus two physical mm. instrument or something like that. 
which I was like, eh. do you know what I mean? Mm. I felt like the, the game designers shared their own ideology. Right. Okay, well, while we're on the politics side of things, one of the notes that I did make, because I noticed it straight away, and I just thought it was weird in the context of the game, is the treatment of gay characters and the specifically the fact that they censor gay slurs but no other slurs so like throughout the entire thing there's swearing there's like really crass racism etc but every reference to faggot is blurred did you notice that i did not notice that but uh, what really yeah you think that word is faggot that's censored what did you think it was <laughs> what's gonna sound stupid now for some reason i thought it was fuck cunt <laughs> because literally the reason i thought it was fuck cunt not that that's even a thing <laughs> it's because <laughs> it's because i thought what could be so offensive? strong language warning definitely at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> I, I basically thought like this is just a really offensive word or a slur which is just like they haven't censored anything so they're just gonna like use this word as a placeholder for so sensitive that we've got to, got to bleep it out you know when like people put in bleeps in on purpose yeah i kind of thought that's what was going on there <laughs> fuck I can't, I don't know what <laughs> but what that wouldn't make sense because they did use fuck in places and they did use cunt in places how many letters is faggot six whereas my word was eight and i'm sure i would have counted the letters but I, to be honest i trust your judgment on this one maybe i'm wrong and maybe other people are wrong but when i saw it i was a bit confused so i went and googled it oh, okay. and there was like a big debate on reddit about people being like why are they censoring this they're not censoring anything else blah 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 mm-hmm. and i don't know maybe they did that and they didn't have a specific word in mind they just wanted it to be like this whatever word he is saying is so offensive blah 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 but usually it was in the context of like there's a character called Kuno who is who is extremely foul-mouthed and basically deranged. Fuck, does Kuno care? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Little scouser. Um, the beginning of the game. And he's constantly shouting insults and slurs of all descripts. Hmm. There's a chance that they're censoring it just to be like, whatever he's saying there is so bad that we have to censor it, but we it, there's not even a word for it. But I just don't think that's the case. Yeah. I would be interested to hear if the game designers like ever put out a statement on it, or if just or like somebody worked on the game who's like, oh yeah, this was what we were thinking internally or something like that. I think that would be kind of kind of interesting. Yeah, because you're right; it's drawn attention. Like you said, it's drawn attention to to that and almost made it like it's important we don't say this word. It's fine we say all these other words, which are also offensive, but mm. it's especially important we don't say if this is their rationale we don't say this word um and there will be i guess they will have like an artistic reason for doing that and it might not be the one we think it is and it probably not given the game like that wouldn't really align with the rest of the game because generally it's pretty like it doesn't pull any punches Mm. a lot of the plot lines and a lot of the stories are really graphic and there was there was one one story that a character tells that's so graphic that i felt like the game was literally giving you a content warning like quite almost quite explicitly within the within the dialogue tree and like we said is there a spoiler to hint at what that is not really um they're a really minor character who's like been involved in essentially war crimes in the past and you ask him what those crimes are and he describes in detail like raping people 
shooting people, killing people, killing children, like whatever, like just the most disgusting, horrible things you can think of and says it in a lot of detail, like how he did that. But then before you get to him saying that, maybe it even says it in brackets. It's like, do you really want to ask him this thing? Like, it's going to be horrible. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you know what you're doing. It makes it obvious it's not going to affect you in the game. It's just going to be like you as the player reading that might upset you. I guess I appreciated that or it didn't really make any difference, but maybe for some, for me, but maybe for some people it did. Yeah. There was also um, the lorry drivers were the ones who tended to be racist. And, and again, it was like, <laughs> are they falling into a trope here? Kind of like, oh, here's your racist lorry driver. Do you know what I mean? They were like a little... There are other people that are, are racist. And to be fair to the lorry drivers, there is a spread of different lorry drivers. There are about four different lorry drivers. They are all quite different. But yeah, there is one racist one. Yeah. <laughs> One's a poet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. One of them is like very vain. Not that you can't have a racist poet now. One of the things I've got here is a note, which, while we're kind of on this works, is um, there's like a loading screen when you fire up the game or when you die or when you're between rooms that gives you a little bit of information. Although uh-huh. usually the game actually loads so fast that, that you hardly get time to read it. But one of them I noticed was yeah. don't be afraid to like say weird things because... You know, mm. everyone, all the characters are more forgiving because of your... Yeah, as if. What sort of meek player is this? It's like, oh, I can't say that. <laughs> no, but it's interesting. You're playing you a computer game. Yeah, but... It's, Was that you? <laughs> sort of, a little bit. Like, not totally. But I did find myself torn between really wanting to say some of the options that were clearly very comedic. Yeah. Some of the options are hilarious. Like, I found myself laughing out loud so often. It was a very funny game to play. No games made me laugh out loud more, actually. It's worth saying. Yeah, I think that's probably true. There were so many options where I really wanted to choose that just to see what would happen. But at the same time, I was like, (laughs) no, because there's this other option that I think will actually achieve the task that I know that I'm Mm. out to achieve. So... I found that conflict really frustrating at times. God, isn't that a sign of, a, of some good dialogue, though, where you don't have the chance to say everything and you really want to say more than one thing? I had the same thing sort of at the beginning where I did say sorry a lot. It's sort of implied that you made this woman quit her job and, like, send her out. So you call her on the police radio and she's like, oh, yeah, you're such a dickhead. Like, what do you expect? No wonder I left sort of thing. And I was like, oh... <laughs> I'm so sorry. I couldn't help myself because I did feel really repentant. But then as soon as the thought cabinet popped up being like, you're a sorry cop now, I was like, is this really the persona I want to pursue? <laughs> yeah, I had the exact same sequence of events. And then, and then I was like, nah, I'm not, not I'm going to not say sorry anymore. <laughs> that's not me. Yeah, that's something we didn't talk about is that you get some of the thoughts that you get prompted to, to ruminate on. And the way thoughts work is they kind of occur to you through dialogue options. Mm. Maybe a character says something and then it gives you the opportunity as a character to keep thinking about that thing in the background over a period of time that I don't think is real time, but is in the game time. But the game time is actually quite long. So like if it says seven hours, it really is going to take you a long time to finish that thought. And while you're thinking about it, often there'll be penalties. So it's like, because you're thinking of this thing so much, your logic is impaired or something like that. You'll basically end up with a debuff. But... Then when you achieve the thought, you'll get a few perks, which we kind of referenced already. Yeah. So with that, when it says, are you sorry, cop? If you say, yeah, I'm sorry, cop, then you get to think about this Mm. being sorry, cop. And then when you eventually finish the thought, you get some perks from it. Yeah. And yeah, that's quite cool. I agree. I think it's amazing that it gives you this little pop up and you're like, no, that's not who I want to be. And you can like reform your character in real time. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Going back to the humour, I definitely did, as the game wore on, sort of just, like, relax into the game. Because there's a thing that we're taught with role-playing games, usually, which has a lot to do with the combat, but there's also other aspects to it, which is, like, we have to optimise. Yeah. I still did it a little bit. I would put on the right clothes, which improved my stats on certain things before doing certain checks. But then the rest of the time, and I, I didn't always know when checks were going to come up, but the rest of the time, I did just wear the clothes, which I thought, eh, these are the ones that suit me. Like, I didn't think about it at all. I tried to relax into the into the, into the flow of just sort of, like, things happening in the game and not worrying too much about the consequences. Obviously, like, I, I wanted some things to go a certain way. But yeah, like you said, with the making the jokes, when I thought the joke was so funny that it would be rude not to say <laughs> it, then I would always say it. Yeah. I, on, the, on the getting dressed, and like obviously, in, like other role-playing games, as you said, shirts or something hold different attributes, or shoot, you can put on different pairs of shoes to give you stronger savoir-faire or something like that. Mm. I thought that was obviously a useful game mechanic. Yeah. But what I would have thought would have been a lot easier would have been if you could have arrange them into uniforms or something like that so that you could have been like oh yeah like i've got i've now collected these things this is my uniform that i'm gonna wear when you know like like you I, I, there's definitely other games that have done similar things where you basically put a load of items of clothing together and you can save that as a certain thing mm. and then it becomes like a one-click change between your uniforms yeah because i did feel like inventory management was not the best i spent quite a lot of time in my inventory hovering over shirts being like which one had the plus two yeah encyclopedia but it's simply because that's not where it wanted you to be it didn't want you to be in your inventory ever that game the thought cabinet maybe but then they could have made it you spend a lot less time in there if you could have had a one clip well maybe but that's but that's i feel like (laughs) i'm such a gamer blamer me i feel like that's our fault for being misprogrammed as gamers into trying to optimize our stats so that we complete checks when well actually what we should be doing is enjoying the, the dialogue in the game for what happens like we do a check but if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out the best time that this happened for me during the game, and it could have happened more often, to be fair, is when I think I failed a... That was it. It was Savoy Fair check, which is kind of like... You might be able to explain it better than me, but it's like your cool stat, essentially, like how cool you are. Yeah. Um, so I think I had to do something with that and then something with hand-eye coordination to just, like, catch something that had been thrown at me. I think it was some keys. Yeah, it was some keys. So And I didn't catch the keys, and they, like, slumped the floor, and then it, there's, like, a really fun description of how you like stumble and like hit yourself and like look really stupid in front of these kids (laughs) but then obviously you're a cop so after that I had the option to be like why did you throw the keys blah 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 and then the kid could be like oh sorry how how could I make it up to you that was stupid of me and then he ended up giving me 20 gold because he'd thrown the keys and I hadn't caught them so I'd failed the check but I'd got 20 gold and I was like Sweet. <laughs> yeah, that is good. That's nice. When the fail state is as fun or more fun and interesting than the success state, if you're able to train your player to think that way, then they start not minding failing things and they might think, maybe I want to fail that. That's the state you want to be. Yeah. I suppose, like, there was another moment when I think I got, I somehow got some dice from someone and it turned out they were lucky dice. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that when I got the dice. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that that was a check-based thing as well. And I don't know how, because it's never clear how luck is affected in a game. Like, I wasn't sure if they were actually lucky dice or just the description said, these are lucky dice. 
it's literally like a system of so the the dice is one of the ones where it's like a little bit strange and meta like all dice it's a game they're lucky and you're 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 rolling in the game on the thing which is obviously not a thing you do in real life but you have these dice in the game which are improving anyway the um but i love that i love how many secret uh modifiers there were to all of the skill checks in the game so like you might have not been able to do one but then you go back later and it's suddenly plus two plus two plus two for all these other things that you found out or maybe like the relationship you built with that character or whatever suddenly like however good your suggestion is or however good your logic is logic really good example of this like you can have crap logic which i did for most of the game but because i literally just found out so much stuff i was able to modify my logic check so it's like even a dunce like me (laughs) could persuade you because i've just got enough information yeah there's quite a lot of meta humor while we're talking about jokes as well that wasn't jokes in the game but with jokes in a real world so for instance there were two lines that in abstract meant nothing in the game they would have just been if a character had said them it would have been like what the hell is he talking about like at one of the points there's a line where because it's a British game, isn't it? It's like all the characters have like British accents and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of British or regional accents, but it's it's made by someone who's like from an Eastern European country, I think. Oh, really? I think it's written by Estonian, yeah, or something like that. Well, all, all of the characters are voiced by Brits, though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, because there's one some bit of them where, maybe have French uh, accents, but yeah. Where basically there was just a bit of dialogue where you got to choose the option. I don't like her. She looks like a lever, and now. <laughs> That looks like a leader, yeah. And it was just by itself. And it made me, like, crack up straight away. Because it was so out of... Like, it had no context in the game whatsoever. And I just thought that was brilliant. There was also... There was a reference to the moral intern monkeys and keeping the conversation going on Channel 4 at one point. Which, like, there isn't Channel 4 in the game. So the fact they're actually talking about Channel 4, they literally mean Channel 4, which is famous for its, like basically being the left-wing channel Mm. i quite like that and there was another one where one of the characters is talking about oh you know there'd been a rape or something and they were like oh no i was just in the locker room or something like that um and that's just what people say and then one of the other characters is like i've been to plenty of locker rooms they don't plan rapes in there (laughs) which was like such a clear reference to the whole trump Mm. grab them by the pussy and then subsequent defense of oh it's just locker room talk locker room right oh yeah of course i don't think you understood what was said this was locker room talk i didn't pick up on any of these i love that There there were quite a few, like those were the ones I wrote down because they just like jumped out at me straight away. But I bet there were others that I didn't even pick up on. I quite like it when a game does that, when it's kind of like bridging two worlds, like the world you're in as the player, but also the world you're in as the character. Yeah. One thing we haven't talked about at all is Kim, (laughs) your partner. Oh, yeah. He's so good yeah he is incredible. he's literally one of my favorite computer game characters because you start off and bearing in mind you're an amnesia long-suffering kid long-suffering kid you've woken up with amnesia and like you don't even i mean you know what a police officer is but you have no idea that you are one and you've got this guy who's like the i don't know like a very logical straight up by the book sort of cop or that at least that's what you think but then you end up he ends up agreeing with your decisions in ways which you'd never expect him to. And I wondered if that was just the way I was playing or whether his character is written so cleverly that he can somehow just get with whatever you, the, your, you as the player is doing. Because obviously that's like the perfect RPG companion is someone that isn't one who's like, if they're good and you're evil, then they're split up with you. It's 
you can be whatever the game allows you to be and the character will stay with you, but it will be believable that they stay with you. Yeah. I thought it did that so well because, I, I mean, I, I wasn't expecting it to at all. I was expecting Kim to be like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. But then, uh, is, it, is it a spoiler to say what happens with Kim at the end of the game? Not the specifics, but... Well, it depends because when you get to the end of the game, there's a scene which is decisive. This is an example of what I was talking about earlier where you don't necessarily really know it's coming. You kind of have a little bit of foreshadowing, but not the specifics. Mm. And this scene unfolds that it requires a ton of checks and they're all red checks and you can pass a load and fail a load and your outcome will be different. And okay, so this is a spoiler. Spoiler alert for everyone. (laughs) So yeah, basically that happened and I ended up being okay myself but Kim got shot in the head. And I woke up the next day, Kuno was next to me and was my new partner and Kim was out of the game. (laughs) Yeah. You've blown my mind. And I was like, what the hell? I don't want Kuno. I hate him. He's an annoying little kid. I want Kim. So I did a save scumming or whatever you said, but uh, fired it back up and played this time, like put a load of stats in the areas that I was confident I was going to need them. Mm. Did it again, got the exact same result. Not quite exact same because a different number of the the gang, of the Hardy gang, died. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And certain different characters died. But Kim still mm. got shot. And I again woke up without him. And at that point, I was like, do you know what? Like, this is actually quite a long process to just reload. And I was like, this is the way the game wants me to play it. I'll play it fine. Mm. So I I ended the game with Kuno. So So I never actually saw the conclusion of Kim's storyline. Oh my God, you missed some amazing bits. Oh no, now you're making me feel like I'm... You have to play. You have to play. You have to play the game again. I mean, maybe you had some great times with Kuno. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, they were all right. Well, can I say? Can I say what? Yeah, how yeah, Kim is at the end? I mean, we've said we've said spoiler alert multiple times. Oh no, I just mean for yourself in case. But I mean, you're probably not going to play the game through again anytime soon, are you? Basically, Kim goes through what kind of cop you have been at the end, and it's sort of like end, an end of game summary. So, like, he gives like a character breakdown of what you've been like, and it's so accurate and really, really funny. I laughed more in Kim's closing statements than I did throughout it any of the rest of the game that's so annoying <laughs> like he points out all of your um inconsistencies for instance he was like he claims he's a really like hard left communist who supports the worker struggle and wants the revolution to happen but at every possible moment he's grifting for like every little coin every little piece of money again every piece of money he can out of everyone he speaks to and i was like damn he's got me <laughs> that's so true what else did he say? Referenced um, all the clothes that you collect. He's like, he has a weird obsession with collecting loads of different clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, extensive, diverse wardrobe. Yeah. Um, yeah, he says loads of funny stuff anyway. I wonder if it affects the actual gameplay. So basically what happened, I imagine it doesn't because it's quite like a chunk of the game still to happen after that, isn't there? I said quite a chunk, like relatively not that much, but yeah. it's still a long, a good few hours after that scene yeah, yeah. that you play. Big time. So for me, it was, I went to the island with Kuno, except Kuno just gets there himself, which I was really confused about because it doesn't really explain it. Uh-huh. He says something like, uh, oh, I can't go on the little boat because the woman hates me. Um, but I'll meet you on the island. And when you arrive on the island, he is there. Which I was kind of confused about, because I thought, well, if it's this bloody easy to get to the island. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then you obviously have the scene on the island, and Kuno's just kind of hanging around with you. 
and every now and again he, he doesn't help you in the sense that kim did but he can do other stuff like he says things that are outrageous that like make ideas occur to you and that kind of stuff right okay but if i'm honest it gets to the end of the game and you get the option to recruit him into the police force yeah and everyone's like you can't recruit him he's a child a kid and you're like yeah but he's great he'll do really well blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it has a sense of humor but if i'm honest I was actually really disappointed by the ending of the game. Oh no, that's such a shame. Were you disappointed by the story or were you disappointed by Kuno? Because it sounds like you were disappointed by Kuno. Yeah, both, I think. I think I was a bit disappointed by both because the story itself, like, it was so left field to give you this, like, it came out of nowhere, this idea of, or not not nowhere, okay, that's not true. It's given you the historical context. But like you've got all these characters and you're kind of like who's done it who's done it and then you get to the island and it's just i'm not even sure if he's named he's just a character you've not seen you've not heard referenced mm. and it's just it, it turns out he's got these random motivations for it that you've never had any intel and unless if you'd have just been able to get to the island in the first place there wouldn't have even been a mystery oh, okay so I'm, i mean i'm aware that i'm defending the game now i do i do think that the ending was like slightly weaker than the rest of the storytelling in the game for sure and i think endings often are but there are ways where you could get there earlier so like there's the flowers that grow on the island which you could which you could find on the roof which i didn't did you see those flowers yeah i found the flowers yeah oh so that like that kind of references the island doesn't it so it gives you like a little clue but you're not quite sure about it but then also at the north of the map there's that there's that tunnel but i, I know you can learn about the island but you can't get there before you go over at the very i end, think you right? might be able to if your interfacing skill is high enough up the north of the map there's like that doorway a service tunnel or whatever but yeah. your interfacing would have to be ludicrously high to get through. So I think, like, the option yeah, is Yeah, I'm there. not sure that is an option, though. Uh, I've got okay. the feeling that it's designed to be, like... Because that t- tunnel is referenced quite a lot, it's designed to exist, but not actually let you use it. Okay. Because isn't it, like, a 3% success rate? I had a 3% success rate when I went to it, and it said impossible interfacing, and I put my interfacing up by, like, five more points, and it still said 3%. Why? You really wanted to get through that door? <laughs> yeah, I did, because I was like, this could be a whole area of the map that I haven't unlocked, mm. and I thought it was, you know, I thought it was basically a failure on my part as a character that I hadn't managed to get in there at any point. Mm. So, yeah, I did try and ramp that up. Failure as a detective. Yeah, and again, this is another area that I googled afterwards. How do you do certain things? And, like, were certain points affecting checks? And people were saying, the game occasionally presents something to you as a probability. I don't know if this is true. This was just kind of consensus anecdotal evidence. Mm -hmm. That the game presents things as a probability on occasion that even when you do change your stats, remain the same probability. Ah, uh, okay. Which, if it does do that, I feel like that's a bit underhand. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. If it does do that, then that's, you know, it's not really being fair, is it? Yeah. I'd, be, I'd like to know if that's true, though, because I feel like if it turns out there is a bunker and there's stuff in there and there's all that kind of thing, well, that's a whole area of the game I never even saw. But then you want to be, like, I feel like at the point at which you've basically got a gun to your head and the guy's like, I'm going to shoot you unless you give me, unless you found the killer. And you can say it's it's Titus, it's class, it's like it's all these people, or, or, or I think it's someone else that I haven't found yet, yeah. which is the option I chose because it's the option I thought was true. But also, I feel like by that point, if you can't have a credible theory of who did the crime, then that's a bit of a shame. Yeah, I agree. But the thing is, 
that's why the game deceives you because you do have credible theories you've got lots of credible theories and you haven't got the full information you mm. don't even know about that guy on the island like you know about the island and you can guess that that's maybe where a shooter was but it's just a character that just comes out of the blue yeah. and also i felt like maybe because it was such a distinctive thing but there was a story in the news not that long ago i say not that long ago probably about five years something like that but there was a world war ii veteran who'd been found on some random island who didn't know that the war had ended and i remember thinking, you kidding no seriously how far how long ago was it it wasn't that long ago that it happened well it can't be they can't be based on it if if it wasn't too long ago i feel like i need to check this but i feel like yeah. that that was such a close storyline that i was thinking like oh they've literally just lifted that from a real life event mm. um yeah i mean to be honest the island bit is quite specific, but I feel like that would have happened quite a lot of times. Like people still fighting wars that are long over because they just had they weren't told or they refused to believe that the war has ended. I'd say it's a little unfair to say it was completely out of the blue because as oh, you didn't have you didn't have Kim there. <laughs> if you'd had if you'd have had Kim at the end, maybe the character says this, I can't remember because you. Because there's all those bunkers, like, old from the war, and you keep coming across them. And you keep, in the dialogue options to Kim, you can keep saying, but yeah, but what about all the bunkers? Do you not think it has something to do with those? And Kim's like, don't be an idiot. It's got nothing to do with those. Like, quite often you're given options to, like, pose what seems ridiculous theory to Kim, but then actually turns out to be the real one. And then at the end, Kim's like, fair play. Yeah. (laughs) You had it all along. (laughs) Yeah. So it seems a little bit more satisfying in that context. But the, I guess I the, can't. I still, I'm still grieving over your dead Kim. <laughs> I know that I was too, but he wasn't actually dead. That's what's annoying. He's just not in the game. So like he survives, and you're told he's in a hospital. Uh... So they don't kill him, even though he gets shot in the head. Which I was like, if he's, if I'm not going to be able to play with him, he may as well be dead at this point. But yeah, they don't actually kill him. They just, they just say he's in hospital, and you can go visit him. But obviously, you've got to get to the game first, and because the game ends, you never actually do get to go and visit him. Mm. The other thing, while we're on the end of the game, is that when you find out who the killer is, because that's been the main quest, and I know we've talked about side quests, but I feel like at that stage, I felt like that was a conclusion. But then it doesn't conclude because you get your old colleagues from the station come over to have a chat with you, right? Mm-hmm. And you get off the boat at the end, they come out. I mean, this is how it was with me with Kuno. <laughs> Don't know about how it was with bloody Kim. But uh, yeah, you get off the boat and you kind of walk off the island and you found out who did the crime and your old colleagues come over to you and they kind of confront you and say, you know, you're in a state, you're not fit to be working for the police. And you say, no, no, I figured it out. I know who did what, etc. And then that's where you try and persuade them that Kuno can join and sign up and be a detective and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't really see the point in that. Those characters hadn't really been around the whole game. I hadn't even got their names of my colleagues other than like a couple of first names. I didn't really care about them. They came out of nowhere, confronted me with a load of information that they could have confronted me at the beginning. And also it gives you loads of white checks in the dialogue, but it's the end of the game. So you're kind of thinking like, well, mm-hmm. why, why are you like giving me all these dialogue options when it's at the end of the game? They should be red checks. Uh, it's a shame that didn't quite hit for you because for me at that point as the character i can't remember harry whatever his name is i felt like oh these are my colleagues they've seen me do this before like this is something i do 
I'm a waste man basically and they're just used to dealing they're used to dealing with this or have like finally decided like well fuck him like he's crashed his car he's got pissed he's got amnesia like we'll just let him deal with it and if he doesn't deal with it he's he's off the force or like he's off the force anyway but we're just gonna let him deal with this one on his own and not bail him out again mm. and I was really I was convinced by their like how annoyed they were with me or at least the, the guy was who was their old partner He's like furious with you. He's like, well, that was your last chance and you blew it. And then you are kind of like able to win him round again because you did such a good job. And then the other woman's like, oh, don't feel too bad. Like, I don't know, a bit more empathic. So you did feel that it was kind of like a winning conclusion for you? Not, I mean, amnesia in a game is, is always cheesy, right? Yeah. But that is essentially what you might as well be doing when you're drawing up uh, any RPG character from from scratch you're just creating like a blank canvas aren't you of a person that you just put some stats on mm. so to be able to like try and give you choice at the same time as give you a character is a really hard hard balance and i think it i think it did it all right it, it definitely does it well for the majority of the game mm. i think it's it's it was only at the end where i just thought it just felt unnecessary to bring them back it wasn't oh, like if it had happened earlier in the game it would have been fine it would have been another but they strand. did but like the main plot had finished they were there yeah they, they turn up in your hotel yeah but that's kind of unexplained though they show up in your hotel and you can kind of talk to them but they're a bit rude and dismissive to you mm-hmm. and then they're kind of irrelevant and then mm. they just show up again at the end of the game it's kind of like i don't know why they're even in the game. I assumed that um, you probably could get a bit more out of them at that point if you had different stats or whatever. So yeah, but, may- but maybe not. And then the only other th- aspect of the story that I felt I did get to the bottom of, although I read afterwards that loads of people never did on their playthroughs, was his ex-wife or ex-something that is referred to quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And I may- I kind of went out of my way to ensure that I was going to follow that storyline and get to the bottom of it, because I was really curious. I'm not sure whether I did or I didn't. When you went to the island at the end, did you sleep in the bed there? Yeah, I had the conversation with her in the dream. Okay, cool, cool. Mm. So did you know who she was and like ha- what had happened in your relationship and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I did get to the bottom of it, I guess, yeah. So I thought that was another area for me that I found frustrating, because the entire game had given you this sense that You've got loads of options and depending on your choices, you can either win or lose kind of in a, in a conversation. Like, mm-hmm. so for instance, if your aim is to unlock a door, if you've got high enough points, you can win and you can get through the door or you can get rebuffed and not get through the door. And I felt like with this plot, I did so much throughout the game to try and enable the possibility of us getting back together. Oh. I was always really <laughs> conscious in our dialogue options to choose ones that would keep open our potential for relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's clear from that flashback that that was never going to be an option for you. Mm-hmm. And so even though it's like, okay, that's fair enough, it's true to life, I'm not in life. Mm-hmm. I'm in a game where I'm in control. And I felt like it took yeah. away the option of control for me in that element. And in that, like, I, I had no yeah. possibility of winning that element of the game. And I found that really frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fair enough. I guess it depends on your mentality, but I was like, oh, I want to get back I together. liked it because it was one of the, it's another kind of meta one, but like in your suggestion. So in that dialogue with your, in the dream with your ex-partner or ex-wife, maybe even, you have like suggestion, empathy, you have all these um, attributes going on. I don't know if you, they came up for you as much as they did for me, but basically I was super, super persuasive. So in that moment, I chose like the most persuasive options and won all the checks to be persuasive. And, and it was a success. 
but then she still didn't take me back and then you have your suggestion coming up being like well I guess you can't win them all or like sometimes I can only get you so far sort of thing and I really like that because one of the most ridiculous things about RPG games is that it's totally focused on you the player as if the world is your oyster you just have to have the right stats whereas that's not the world sometimes in a real world there is no convincing someone and so I like the fact that it played with that and played with your expectations as the player. Yeah, you're right, actually. I think you've made a persuasive argument. <laughs> that, that's oh, true. Good. That is true. Now you've explained it like that, I do think that's that's true. I like the fact that suggestion at the end is like, oh, well, come in. Oh, that is quite like good sense of humour, <laughs> which, you know, is definitely one of the game's forces. What did you think in terms of by the time you get to the end of the game and the map is, as we talked about, in theory quite small, but there is a lot of running around to be done because it sends you from one side of the map to the other side of the map to the other side of the map. Yeah. At one stage, you're chatting with the union boss who is as far to the right of the map as you can go. And then you're chatting to the other person and basically your dialogues with them essentially send you back to the other one. And I was getting really annoyed by that by the end of the game. I just thought, like, fast travel in a game like that isn't ideal because it's so small it feels a bit forced. But they could have done something, you know, like they could have just, even if it had just been like run to the other side of the map and it takes up two hours of game time or something like that. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they could easily have implemented that. Like, you can make time uh, fast forward by reading a book. Yeah. Which I thought was quite cool. Like, if you did just have time to kill, you could just pick up a book and read it and, like, a few hours would pass. I did use that as well, actually, for when I was ruminating on thoughts. Yeah, yeah, same. But, yeah, for the actual running, particularly between the union rep and that woman and another couple of points as well, I just thought, this is completely dead time. Yeah. That adds nothing because I've seen, like sometimes it was cool because like certain things change it, but they, they probably could have done more, more of that. I mean, being a bit harsh, being quite critical, quite a small studio or whatever, but like when you did run from A to B and something had changed, or there was a new person there or whatever, then that's really cool. And like, I'm always happy to travel in games if there's new things for me to see. But if I've literally interacted with everything and it's just me clicking and watching a running animation, then like, Nah. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't have that. Exactly. So, yeah, and like at the beginning of the game, it makes sense because as you're running around, because you're leveling up your skills, like I, I had really low perception when I started, but I put so many points in perception. And almost every time I ran through an area, because I'd leveled up my perception in the meantime, I was seeing something new or discovering something new, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a great sensation and a really cool experience to have in a game. Um, but by the end, your stats in general are like high enough across the board that you've kind of seen everything that you're going to see. Mm. And then you are just running back and forwards and that, that is annoying. So yeah, like I'd say, I mean, I feel like we're kind of at a conclusion to yeah, some yeah, extent. Yeah. Let's conclude. And I'd say that I loved it. It was definitely one of the most unique games I've ever played. The storytelling was amazing and the writing, so impressive. I mean, I assume they must have had more than one writer. And if they did, it's even more impressive because of the consistency of voice. Yeah. It was really, really well written. Yeah, for me, it just went on a bit long and, and didn't conclude quite as well as I wanted to. But actually, on balance, did that detract from the experience? Not that much. Yeah, it's definitely one of the most interesting games I've played in ages and ages. Like, I was reading it like a book, that kind of page turnery feeling that you have when... Like, I wanted to finish it because I wanted to really know what happened and I was enjoying the reading. I didn't just want to watch a video on YouTube or something to, like, tell me the end of the story. Like, not that sort of thing. It was like a page turner. The experience was that sort of, um, on that sort of level. Yeah. As a game, like, in terms of mechanics and stuff, there's a few things that they could have polished up. And I'd be interested to see 
what they learn from this game and what they come out with next, whether they'll like keep all the good things about it and then optimize some of the, some of the things which didn't work quite so well. Because, I mean, there's so much potential. Do you think it does lend itself to a sequel? Um, just any other game, just a game in that style. Because like we say, like it's really unique. I definitely play another game in that style, for sure. And it could be shorter. Like it was long. I mean, RPGs are long. But it, it, it could be shorter. Like you could have a five-hour experience of similar quality and style, I'd say. Yeah. I feel like five-hour might be a bit short, but I get what you're saying, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe like five, ten, whatever. Because I guess you want there to be the big set-piece moments in it. They definitely felt weighty for you having put in a bit of a time commitment and like shaped your character and yeah, got to know all of the other characters for sure one other thing I would say is that it, I, as I was playing it and when I finished it my immediate thought was man I've been missing out on a mm. genre of games for a while because it's been a really long time since I played an RPG of that that there was that text based and that heavy text sort of adventure and yeah I was really loving it and I felt like in some ways when I play other video games um, I sometimes feel a little bit guilty because mm. I feel like in a way it's only a step up from watching TV or something like yeah. that depending on the game you're playing and I think that's massively unfair to say about most games but in general I can feel a little bit guilty whereas with this I really did feel like I may as well have just sat there for three hours and read a book because the volume of text and the story mm. and the characters is all the same and you know I was definitely learning <laughs> learning words and like some of the sentence mm. structures were interesting. It wasn't just, it wasn't kind of superficial in any way. It was a solid experience. Yeah, yeah. It was a, a really, like, really, really worthwhile experience. You can't, you can't say that for all games, I don't think. Mm. Um, Agreed. It's, it's the sign of, it's a sign of a good one, for sure. Cool. How do we, how do we end? <laughs> Great chat with you. <laughs> Ready to do that improv jingle? Here we go.